0: This is Podcast Q with Matt Henney. That is me. And I'm here with Charlie Payne, who may or may not be dressed as Mary Norwood. And we'll get to that in just a second. Hey, Charlie, how are you? How are you doing, Matt? I'm good. Charlie is the secretary of Historic Atlanta and chair of its LGBTQ Historic Preservation Advisory Committee and was recently awarded a fellowship for his work on preserving LGBTQ historic resources in Atlanta. More on that in a minute. But I want to say Charlie popped onto my radar in 2017 as a political activist when he was working on the mayoral campaign of Kathy Woolard. And it was during that campaign that he dressed as Mary Norwood, another candidate in the race for Halloween. Better still, as the story goes, he ran into Norwood at Blake's that night while dressed as her. And that is one of my enduring memories from that campaign. So, you know, Charlie, the first question is, do you still have the costume? Oh, yeah.
1: I might have put it on a few weeks ago. Just kidding.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for uh, uh, playing along with me on that. And we will pivot back to preservation. So when we talked with you last October for a profile with Project Q, you discussed what sparked your interest in preservation. And at the time you said, quote, Atlanta has a unique story to tell and it's time we fully embrace it. So what did you mean by that? What I mean by that is that Atlanta,
1: like the state of Georgia and the Southeast United States, we have all different types of history. Um, And one of those histories, of course, is LGBTQ history. Um, But there's also history that deals with uh, other underrepresented communities and also uh, preservation activities that are more connected towards architecture and George Washington slept here arguments. And the reason I said that is we have not really focused on in Atlanta and the state. Uh, looking at our LGBTQ historic resources. And so what I'm trying to do is bring in LGBTQ history into the portfolio of activities in the
0: preservation movement in the city of Atlanta. Why is it important to protect LGBTQ spaces? So uh, that is a question
1: that I find quite interesting because there's multiple reasons why you preserve Typically we preserve for either architectural slash beauty or to preserve stories. Here we're preserving more of the stories. Um, of course, some of those sites may have the other. but we are it's important to preserve these spaces because they connect us to our own histories and our community's stories. I think a good example is, the Michael Hardwick House here in the city of Atlanta, where in 1982, a city of Atlanta police department um, officer um, arrested a gay man for having consensual relations in his own home. And it changed the community across the United States. And it's when we lose those places that really are unique to our city's history, I think, That is a huge loss um, because we can say, oh, look, this is where this significant event happened and we can embrace that. Yes, it might have been something bad. But in the long run, after that case came out and the Supreme Court ruled that Georgia sodomy laws were legal, that is when the LGBTQ community and allies actually came out and pushed and did marches to get all of those sodomy laws repealed. Um, And so that is a major aspect of it. I think another important topic when it comes to LGBTQ preservation is that LGBTQ historic sites and spaces are oftentimes in particular nodes and corridors around the cities that they're located in. Um, I think good examples of that are Little Five Points, Midtown, Cheshire Bridge Road. All of those spaces used to be a lot more uh, heavily uh, concentrated with LGBTQ activities. But now we're seeing that thinned out. And I think what we're going to start seeing in the next few years if we don't preserve LGBTQ spaces, creatively using historic preservation, I think when one goes down, it could cause others to go down with them because all of these spaces live off each other.
0: Well, and so how did the LGBTQ Historic Preservation Advisory Committee, how did that come, come to be?
1: So I think a good way to talk about this is um, a few years ago, there was the threat of um, Burkhart's closing. And that started a lot of drama, as I'm sure you can remember. I'm not going to go into that. Um, and then in addition to that, there was the issue of blakes and the creation of the hashtag I am Midtown group. And I think that group and also the commentary on a bunch of articles that Project Q has written over the years would show is that there's a lot of anxiety in the LGBTQ community about our long-term survival in the city of Atlanta with rising property value, um, not getting our leases renewed. And then additionally, like the growing acceptance of the LGBTQ community and us going to spaces other than our own. And I think all of that just really is putting a lot of pressure on
0: our spaces, And so were you already working with Historic Atlanta and then this idea of the LGBTQ committee came about? Yes. So we noticed that
1: anxiety um, and I saw that no one was doing anything about it. As you know, I'm 23 and I was like, wow, no one's doing anything about this other than a uh, Facebook group, which really had great intentions. Um, but now... I wanted to make sure that we had a plan to actually start putting things in place to where we are going to be here long-term. And so in May of 2019, I decided to work within Historic Atlanta, which I joined about a year and a half before um, as a co-founding member. And it was that at that time in May of 2019 that I decided, I would lead an LGBTQ special committee at the time is what we called it. Um, so I looked at what was going on and I reached out to several people that were very big and either the community engagement aspect of our community and also, uh, historians like Dave Hayward and Gil Robeson and, other people like Abby Drew, who have a long history of working in the city of Atlanta. And so I created this committee and we eventually had our first roundtable discussion in October of 2019. And it was well attended uh, with city officials, state officials as well. That's where it all took off.
0: And so now the committee has a strategic plan. I think you updated it this summer. There's a website. There's a budget that's already been partially funded. What else is in that plan? So
1: we have a few things in that plan. It is, um, I think there are five things. There is a PR campaign, of course. I think a lot of people don't understand the importance of preserving these spaces. I think you already allowed me to touch up on that of why it is important. Another is erecting historic markers at places that have either lost too much integrity or have been demolished at those sites. And then we would also like to protect a building under the City of Atlanta Historic Preservation Ordinance. That ordinance is being rewritten. um, And we'll see if later in the year, we can work with the city to locally designate a LGBTQ site as historic, that is a tool that really should only be used for some of the most urgent and significant spaces. And then we also are creating something called a historic context statement. And that historic context statement is a huge deal in LGBTQ preservation because we haven't really established what is historic when it comes to LGBTQ history. Um, LGBTQ history has only even been out of the closet, you could say, since about 1970. And that's some of the earliest stuff. So we're talking about a lot of spaces that have historic value under 50 years old. And so for cities and states to look at these sites, they can't really understand them as they are. We need a historic context statement and a, a framework to evaluate
0: and identify these spaces. And so it, it, it sounds like it's a mix of maybe protecting some existing buildings, but then for example, like a marker that would, for, for like Backstreet, for example, I don't know if that's in the plans, but that just is a is a prominent... LGBT place uh, or has a prominent place in LGBTQ history that might might be uh, a prime place for a marker. So it's kind of a combination of those. Yeah. So
1: I would say the direct preservation, which goes into the um, designation activities. Um, Then there's also recognition, which deals with um, historic markers. And also, um, if we were to ever nominate a site to the National Register of Historic Places, that would fall under the recognition category as well. But then the third is planning, Um, and that's where the historic context statement fits under, because without a base slash foundational document to work off of, it's really hard to convince uh, agencies and offices in the city of Atlanta to really
0: take any bold action. And how would you rate Atlanta's efforts to protect LGBTQ history? I know oftentimes in the larger historic preservation effort, Atlanta sometimes struggles. So how is it doing with with LGBT history? So
1: you asked that question, but I think a good way to look at it is that Atlanta hasn't really had a chance to think of preserving LGBTQ history. No one's really brought it up. I think they've seen a lot of anxiety after they made zoning changes along Cheshire Bridge Road and in other places they are now seeing the effects of it, but no one really thought about, oh, hey, here's LGBTQ spaces. Here's historic preservation. These spaces are historic. Why don't we actually try to preserve them? Oftentimes, preservation gets stuck in its own little world, and oftentimes that falls into architecture um, and landscape architecture. The city of Atlanta will probably do a good job in the long
0: term. I think this issue is just emerging. So in November, you sent a letter to MARTA and asked them to look for alternative sites to a proposed Cheshire Bridge Road station that threatened uh, the heretic. Uh, and that space has an LGBTQ history that dates back to the early 70s. What? Why are you concerned about the building and what's been the response from MARTA? Yeah,
1: so we sent that letter to MARTA and we haven't gotten a response from MARTA still. I would d- definitely believe that Marta would have shared it with their consultants that they had hired already. What Marta will be doing is that they got this historic property. We I say historic, but it's also hard to really deem it historic without having that context statement. What we're currently doing is working on this historic context statement because with that, then when Marta is doing their NEPA Work, which is the National Environmental Protection Act, so this is some site work that they would have to do and research to make sure they're not adversely affecting historic properties, then we could finally say, oh, look, it is historic. And because they're using federal transportation monies, if it is historic, they can't tear it down by law. Um, this even bypasses Trump's newest plan to gut NEPO because this also falls under the National Transportation Act, I believe. Don't hold me to that. But trans federal transportation dollars for like rail projects and stuff, it says that there's not only due process for sites like the heretic, but you actually can't impact them at that point.
0: Well, and so we're in the middle of a pandemic and a a social justice movement. Has that impacted your work? And how do you sort of break through those two things and and grab people's attention?
1: Yeah, Matt, I would definitely see that that has made a huge um, or thrown a huge wrench into my plans. You'll notice the strategic plan that I sent you. Yes, it was updated mid-year because we had a lot of activities that were required a lot more PR. And for some time, I knew that some publications weren't even doing in-print copies. And then at the same time, we have to talk about the fundraising aspect of what we do. And a lot of these um, items like historic markers, putting those in the ground as well, dedication ceremonies when those are put in the ground, the contact statement, a bunch of other things, that has a big price tag. We basically had to make sure we could do what we could this year. And luckily, we didn't have to cut anything off,
0: really. The Georgia Trust for Historic Preservation awarded you a fellowship for your historic preservation efforts, and that came with a $5,000 award. What does that fellowship mean, and and what will the money do? Yeah, so
1: the Georgia Trust for Historic Preservation is Georgia's... largest preservation group and they help uh, with preservation activities across the state and also supporting other organizations as well. So the Liz Lyon Fellowship is named after Elizabeth Lyon who served as the Georgia State Historic Preservation Officer for some time. And this award is an honor that is bestowed on a student or emerging professional that is working to address preservation needs and the preservation movement, and also looking at emerging issues that the preservation movement isn't uh, currently working on as well. And LGBTQ history certainly is something that the state of Georgia um, has not, had a very strong history of doing any work in when it comes to actual preservation um, in any city across the state as well. Um, There are no sites um, on the national register or state register in Georgia for an association to LGBTQ history. And the city of Atlanta also doesn't have anything either. And so what we're doing here is we are an emerging issue and preservation and it's a new topic to the movement. And as I said earlier, we, we'd like to expand the diversity of the movement. So the money associated with that will go towards generally all of our uh, goals and the committee um, particularly a large amount of it would likely go to the historic context statement. But as you know, we have several other initiatives we would also like to fund. Fundraising is also going to be a very important part of this. We have several uh, great sponsors like the Georgia Trust, National Trust as well. Um, But we also have to thank MailChimp, our newest corporate sponsor, for their uh, generous donation to make sure that we could do the work that we do. Um, But... That $5,000 will definitely go towards everything that we're working on.
0: And what, what started your passion for historic preservation? That's what you studied in college, right?
1: Yeah, so my passion for historic preservation started in Druid Hills. I was attending Woodward Academy at the time, but I think I was about 16 years old, and I lived in a house on Villa Drive. Um, that house is named Villa Miraflores, I ended up putting it on the National Register of Historic Places. Um, that was one of my first preservation projects, probably still one of my most substantial because putting something on the National Register is a lot of work. I would say that when I lived in that house, I was also across the street from another house called Briarcliff Mansion. It is the home that belonged to Asa Candler Jr on what is now Briarcliff Road. The street was named after the house at a later time. And I realized that even though it was in a historic district, uh, the home was in disrepair. Um, I mean, by no means would you say it was not. There were holes and a lot of the uh, windows glass all over the ground. Uh, It was overgrown. Um, And so I tried to contact Emory University several times and try to get a few more answers. Basically, what I realized is that they don't have a plan for it. Even today, they still don't have a plan. They purposely exclude it from all of their master plans, um, I think, because they eventually want to do demolition by neglect. Although I will say lately, it's in better shape because some movie studios have moved into it and they're using the mansion. Kudos to them for actually keeping it in a better uh, state now. But that house launched a huge campaign for me at 16 years old. I tried very hard to campaign for that house at the Atlanta Preservation Center and in the community, going to meetings, and uh, eventually we got enough support that I think it pressured Emory into renting it. Well, so what can
0: uh, what can people do to help the efforts of of the committee? The committee's
1: efforts, um, as you know, there is a pandemic. It's really hard right now to do in person events and anything of that nature. Um, but as we move forward, we definitely still need, uh, financial support. Um, but if people want to learn more about what we're doing or donate to this cause, um, we would definitely ask that people go to our committee's website, which is historicatlantaorg slash LGBTQ
0: committee. There you'll be able to learn more and Well, and that kind of gets segues to my last question, which is where can people find you and follow you and find out more about the work that you're doing?
1: People can find Historic Atlanta on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, our website again. We're oftentimes in the middle of a lot of programs, um, and I'm excited to say this is one of them. If people... Have any questions about anything in the community? Feel free to reach out to Historic Atlanta. And we're always here to support any efforts to preserve historic places
0: in and around the city of Atlanta. That's what we do. Charlie, this has been great. I appreciate your time. And uh, thanks to everyone out there for listening. Subscribe to Podcast Q to keep up with new episodes and follow us at theqatl.com. Thanks again. And we will see you soon. Yes. Thank you so much.